I will be reading from Deuteronomy um, 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with your soul and with your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie these Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Thanks, Luke. There was uh, something neat happened here a little bit ago. Um, I can't remember who it was came and told me. He said, hey, Marion Hedgeland wants to talk to you. I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm going to get a huge lecture from Marion. Here it goes. Now, Marion's like the sweetest person ever. But she got this out of her bag, went over and saw her, and she got this out of her bag. And this is, uh, you remember I gave a lesson here a while back about the, the theme from Finding Nemo, um, part of what Dory says is just keep swimming, just keep swimming, no matter what. And it's a great lesson for life. And so this is a Dory here that has a, a solar panel here, and I guess you put it in a window and it just keeps swimming and never quits. So I think that's a pretty neat thing, Marion. Thank you very much. I'm going to, I'm going to put that in a place where I can remember. That's good for all of us. We'll, we'll just look at it there for today. Okay, we, can, we can all find encouragement from that. Uh, there is, I mentioned last week, the studies that I used to walk through people, walk with people through uh, becoming a Christian from the book of Luke. They're stapled and they're on the back. If you go out the back door here on the left, there's a whole pile of them. If you don't like one, like several of them. Uh, I'll put more of them out there later. But uh, that just gives you an opportunity for people that you can sit down and say, let me share uh, about about Jesus and and what he's done. And you just walk through the book of Luke, and that's uh, I've seen it just change people's lives over and over again. So those resources there, I said I'd put them out there, and, and they are there now. Uh, there is a, a few times, getting into lesson today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. But there's been uh, a number of times where uh, well, think about this. Let me rephrase it. How many of you have ever uh, gone through life? You have you make a decision and you think, you know, this is uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm just gonna go ahead with this, and I probably shouldn't. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, that was a very 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 bad decision. I remember I was in eighth grade and I was playing soccer, uh, Kiwanis soccer. And, okay, you see where this is going already, maybe. But I uh, had the opportunity to, uh, I'd just drawn a bighorn sheep permit. I was 13 years old, and there was an area near Libby in the Cabinet Wilderness. You had to hunt the sheep early in some of the roughest terrain in Montana, but you could go up there and and hunt these these bighorn rams. I drew this tag at 13 years old. I was the the envy of town and uh, had a soccer match. And so I showed up at the soccer match, and I remember getting out of the car and going over there to warm up with the team and thought, oh, bummer, I forgot my shin guards. No big deal. In Montana, they won't let you go on the field now if, unless you have shin guards. And part of the reason of that is right here. Okay, sorry. And so I got out on the field and we were uh, uh, playing soccer. Um, I, remember, I remember the moment very clearly. That I, um, and there's a, another young man, he's a year older than me, but he's a stocky kid across from me. And the ball was in the middle, and I remember both of us swinging at the ball. And I remember people that were there remember 
to this day, had some people that I graduated high school with say, Chris, I remember being on that field that day, and I've never heard anything like that in my life. And I don't remember the sound at all, but I remember flipping up in the air, hitting the ground, getting up, trying to run off, and thinking, huh, that's just not working. And uh, they, I did have long socks. Hey, at least I had that. didn't have any shin guards, but I had the long soccer socks. And uh, there was a couple of people came, and I, I got on their shoulders, and they, they pulled me off the field. And they um, pulled my sock down and uh, said, well, we're not, we, we, we don't know what this, this means or any of that. And, you know, your shin usually look, looks like this, and mine looked like that. And uh, they said, well, oh, that's not very good. I remember those phrases. I was taken to the doctor. I remember the doctor who, who uh, ended up not having to have surgery and such. But it's amazing when I think back on that time, and uh, the same type of thing when I busted my arm up a uh, number of years after that. I remember the people that were there. I remember the people that were around me. I remember the people that helped carry me off the field. I remember the people that were kind to me in some form or fashion. I also remember the people that were unkind. I remember when I was laying there in the emergency room on a stretcher, and uh, I, I was in shock. I wasn't screaming anything, just sitting there talking with the docs and nurses. And it was after hours, and so this um, a lady who was a, a x-ray tech had been called in, and you could tell that she was not very happy about being there. This kid here is laying there, and I have to waste my evening taking an x-ray. And I remember laying there, and uh, they, she said, okay, I've got to take you back. And she grabbed, she didn't grab the stretcher or the bed. She grabbed my broken leg and pulled me by my broken leg into the x-ray area, and I remember the tears coming, I remember biting down, grabbing onto the, the railing on the side, thinking, what on earth? And just crabby, cranky lady. And the x-rays came back, and oh man, her attitude changed. All of a sudden, oh boy, can we do anything for you? Oh, I am, I am so sorry. Oh boy, this is a, this is a bad deal. And, and I remember that. But more than that, I just remember the people that were good to me. I remember the doctor that set my leg. I remember going in and visiting and, and the cast that, that he would put on. I remember the people that cared for me during that time. I remember my mom and dad feeding me when I had to lay on the couch for, for a long time. They, cast, they casted people for a lot longer than they do now. And uh, just, just remember the good that people did for me. And so we're going to get into Luke chapter 10 today, and we've got a story that's, that's unique. Uh, it's oftentimes called the story of the Good Samaritan. We're going to call it the, the, priest, the story of the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan, because it's a story about all of them, really, is what it is. And so we're going to start in and uh, talk about this here. Verse 25, it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So there's a time of testing here. You can see that Jesus and this religious leader are going back and forth a little bit. Religious leader says, all right, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I hear about eternal life. I want this. What does it mean? Show me what I need to do, what I need to look like in order to inherit this. And Jesus' response is, well, what does the law say? You tell me. You're a religious leader. You tell me what it says. And the man responds by saying, love God and love your neighbor. 
those are two scriptures from the Old Testament that were often understood to, to be very, very important for following God. And that's what he comes up with. Love God and love your neighbor. That's what eternal life, that's where you enter into eternal life. That's what, what we're supposed to be. And Jesus, does he take issue with this? No. No, Jesus, in fact, repeats this in other places. If you want to follow me, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's where it all starts. Everything else is summed up if we do that. If we do those things, then we don't violate God's laws. And so, but the testing doesn't stop there. After Jesus says, good answer, well done, that's fantastic. The religious expert says, well, okay, all right, but let's go a little deeper here. Who is my neighbor? What is that? Who is that? What is that all about? Because that's a good question, isn't it? Who is my neighbor? Is with this religious leader, in his mind, maybe a different definition than what Jesus comes up with. Let's start in verse 30. And we're going to see. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So Jesus responds to this question, who is my neighbor? Terrible here. He talks about a, a guy who is a priest that is going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and there's a big elevation difference there. And so this priest is going... Maybe from the temple. A lot of priests lived in Jericho at that point in time. He's going from, from time up in Jerusalem. He's going down to Jericho. And you can imagine he's coming off this great spiritual high, an opportunity that he had to be able to serve in the temple, got to, uh, to, to be there with, with great people who are encouraging him, all this, this great spiritual experience that he, he had there. And he's traveling down the road, and with a priest being... The priestly class, it would have been assumed by the people of Jesus' day that he's riding on a donkey. He's not walking. He's riding. And you imagine he comes along as he's going along, and he looks down and he sees something right off the side of the road here. And he sees, as he gets closer, and he gets over to the other side of the road to think, okay, oh, wait a minute, i got to see what this might be. He realizes that there is a man that is laying there that is badly beaten up and is close to the side of the road. And so he's got a choice. And this is what's going through his mind. He thinks, wait a minute, okay, oh man, oh, this is not the right time for something like this to happen. This is just what I need right now. Um, I don't know who this guy is, but because I know that you can tell who a person is or where they come from, often by their language, their accent, their clothes, and this guy's producing none of those right now. And boy, if he's Jewish, then I really should help him. But if he is Jewish and I touch a dead body, then what that means is that I am unclean for a period of time. And I can't serve. And I've got to step out. And, and this changes the, thing, the plans that I have coming up here the next while. This changes my family plans if I become unclean. And if that person there is not Jewish, then I don't feel like I have any reason whatsoever to try to help them out. And so I'm just going, man, you know, it's getting late. I'm just going to get on my... 
my, my good old donkey here, I'm going to go on the other side of the road, and I'm just going to go. You know, I know there's... A, okay, boy, isn't it a nice sun to set? Here I go. You see what happened here? Too many questions, too many questions, too much wrestling, and then the opportunity's gone, and it's just easier just to walk by or to ride by and miss out on, on what was possible here. Behind him, here comes a Levite. And Levites are the ones who would assist in the temple. They wouldn't perform the sacrifices, but they were the ones that would, would be there, that would, that would help the priests with all their duties. And just imagine, maybe this Levite can see this priest ahead of him and sees him go way over to the side of the road. The Levite comes along and thinks, huh, oh, oh, that's what's going on here. Well, oh man, that guy looks like he's hurt. Uh, I should probably do something about that, but uh, my spiritual leader didn't, and so maybe his example, he knows something I don't, and I just need to go with this. I'm just, oh, there I go, and, and I'm just going to pass on by. And, oh, look at the beautiful sunset. Whew, got to get my mind on something else. That doesn't look very good, but, boy, today's just not the day. And so here you have these two uh, people that are in this parable. And I imagine the religious leader here at this point in time is understanding, okay, I understand what's happening here. Here's a sequence. I remember as a kid doing sequences in school. Okay, play along. Let's do some sequences. One, two, what's the next one? Three. Three. Yes, that's the next sequence. Okay. How about four, five, six? Here's another sequence. Two, four, six. Okay, so that's how sequences work. I actually got an email once that talked about redneck sequences. And so if you've got Ruger, Remington, Winchester, of course, is Winchester, yes. Or you have Honda, Yamaha, Suzuki. Yeah, that's how, that's how it works, right. Um, how about um, Johnson, Mercury, Evinrude, that's it. That's it. They're you know, makers of, of outboard motors. So... We understand sequences. So you can imagine this guy. What is coming next? There's a priest. There's a Levite. Maybe what's coming next in this story is there is an ordinary Jewish carpenter, someone that comes along that isn't a religious leader that does decide to help. Boy, what a good example. What a great example in order to call people higher. But Jesus goes in a direction that this man would have never, ever anticipated. And he says, next, this is a guy comes along that's a Samaritan. We've talked about Samaritans before. For the Orthodox Jews of Jesus' day, the Samaritans were people that they hated. It was, it was a racist issue. It was a spiritual issue in some ways. But they, they were disgusted by these Samaritans that, that had worshipped God on Mount Gerizim, but they, they didn't worship him right. And there was all sorts of, of, of messy things in, your, in their in, in the, the way they worshipped God. And it didn't just go one way. It wasn't just that the Jews did terrible things to the Samaritans. The Samaritans returned the favor. They were always doing terrible things to each other. But in this story, you can imagine what this religious leader is going, what's going through his mind. Okay, priest, Levite, ordinary Jew, and Jesus says, and a Samaritan came along, saw this man was hurt, got down, took care of him, loaded him on his donkey, and not only that but took him down into Jericho and took him to an inn and said, I found this guy. Take care of him. Here's some money to take care of him. And when I come back, I, we will settle up with anything else I owe you for taking care of him and nursing him back to health. Think about this. Okay, Put, ourself, put yourself in a, in a situation where 
Now, years ago, 1800s, there you are in Dodge City, Kansas. Now, good old cowboy town, right? Good old Dodge City, Kansas. Or we could bring it even closer to home, Virginia City, in the 1860s. Okay, there you are. You've got all these uh, gold miners that are up there. How many? Dan, you were around in Virginia City in the 1860s, weren't you? You, go, you mined gold there for a while, right? And so there you have all these gold miners there. And if you, I've read some, some accounts of some of the, just the life that was happening in Virginia City. It's pretty rough. So you've got these people, and some of them were, a lot of them were escaping the Civil War, coming out here to Virginia City to find gold. To I'm not going to get involved in that conflict back east. Those people are crazy. I'm not doing that. I'm just going to seek my fortune. And there they are. And uh, all of a sudden, you've got these guys that are running their dredges. The, there's hustle and bustle on the main street. And all of a sudden, you see something that just causes you to pause and you look and think, what on earth is going on here? And what you see is a lone crow Native American that has a miner on the back of his horse riding into town. And this miner is all beat up. This miner looks like he's, he's been through it. What are you going to think immediately? That crow has done something, and we're going to settle this right now. So just imagine putting yourself in this situation. This Samaritan takes care of this guy, takes him down into Jericho, which is a Jewish city at this time, and goes into town, takes him into an inn, so that he can be taken care of. Just imagine the courage that it took that Samaritan to be able to pull that off. You see what's happening here? As Jesus tells a story, it says, the person that is your neighbor is maybe a much deeper concept and, a, and, and much more sacrificial than, than you're anticipating by asking me this question, who is my neighbor? Because here's the answer. Verses 36 and verses 37. Let's go ahead and read that. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And so Jesus asks, well, who is the neighbor? Puts it right back to this religious leader. And you notice what he says is he can't even bring himself to say the Samaritan. He just says, the one who had mercy or the one who helped. And Jesus says, that's the lesson there. That's it. Now, your job is to go and to do likewise. Go and to help. Go and show mercy. So the question for us and the question for the religious leaders at this time was, who is my neighbor? And Jesus' answer is, anyone who is in need that is around you. That is your neighbor. It is independent of their skin color. It's independent of what they look like. It's independent of their social status. It's independent of whether you like them or not. Your job as a follower of, of Jesus is, is to... See neighbors as anyone around us who has need. And so what must I do to become a good neighbor? Love God, love neighbors, and love our neighbors beyond our comfort and convenience. That means that uh, living the way that Jesus has called us to live means, means getting out of our comfort zone. It means sacrificing. It means changing our routine, changing our, our daily whatever we have sometimes because we see there is a need right next to us. And when we meet those needs, it's amazing what God does. I found these, and I found 
I think they're they're great here. Okay, there it is. There you have the priest and the Levite. I disagree. This man is half alive. <laughs> they're going to have a discussion about uh, is this you know how he's half dead or is he half alive, and that's what we're going to focus on. And so they get lost in the minutia, and what are they forgetting to do right here? Help and have mercy. And they're missing that part of it. Or we have uh, this situation here. Don't get too excited, fella. I'm the mediocre Samaritan. I only give a Band-Aid and then I'm off. <laughs> a great thought here. And sometimes um, I know that that's my tendency. That can be any of our tendencies. Is Let me put a Band-Aid on and, boy, I want to get out of this situation because it could be messy. But Jesus' story here for us, for the religious leaders of Jesus' day, for us, is that being a, one who follows Jesus is, means one that, that helps our neighbors, whoever they may be, anyone that is in need around us, beyond our comfort and beyond our convenience. I know that when I busted my leg, I busted my arm, um, the people that were there put down whatever they were doing at the moment in order to help and to try to bless me and to take care of me. And I remember that decades later. And think about the opportunities that we have every day for the people around us that are in need, the people that find themselves in difficult situations. If we have the courage to call a time out and say, what can I do to help? Let me help walk you through this. All of us have had those people at times in our life that have given much in order to bring us to where we are now and to bless us in some ways. Sometimes they, they pay a power bill for us. Sometimes they just sat and, and listened as we walked through a tough time in life. Maybe they were walking beside us. You know, who knows? Whatever the example may be. And I hesitate to give too many examples because what I want us to do when we leave here is think about these right here. Is This week, I'm convinced that for every one of us, God is going to give each of us an opportunity to be this Samaritan. To be this person who goes and provides some sort of blessing and some sort of help and some sort of care for people that are right on our doorstep or people that we would have never, we just, we didn't think about. And so that's what we can, that's my, my prayer for all of us this week. And that's part of living the abundant life of Jesus is looking for the opportunities around us, for the people that are in need, no matter who they may be, and stepping out and being a blessing in ways that nobody else can. And by that, we show Jesus in powerful ways. If you'd like to become a Christian today or you'd like prayers of the church, head to the back. The elders are back there and would love to pray with you. Let's stand and sing together.